You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Alga. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we interview actors and writers and producers and directors and agents and filmmakers and managers and personal finance gurus and life coaches and all sorts of people that are in all facets of the industry. And we uh, we kind of bundle those interviews up uh, into this podcast and stick it out there on the internet every week for free for interested parties, <laughs> such as yourself. <laughs> interested parties. That was my big switch this week. That was my uh, big change to it. I love yeah. that. I love that. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm aligned. <laughs> um, and of course, we are just two dudes with a podcast, as you can tell. Um, I don't want to say we don't know what what we're doing at all, but uh, we uh, started the podcast. (laughs) We started the podcast because uh, we're looking for the answers, not because we have them. So, if you have anything that you agree with, disagree with, anything like that, anything you want to contribute to the podcast, questions, comments, concerns, predictions, reservations, relevations, elevations, wait, what? I'm making making up words, too. That's cool. All right. Um, Then please get in touch with us. You can start by going to our website at InsideActingPodcast.com. Predictions is a good one. I want to know what predictions people have for uh, little little Inside Acting Podcast. Euphoriums. I don't know. Euphoriums. Today uh, on the the podcast, we have part two of our chat with Kevin West, who's the founder of the Actors Network and an actor slash author slash everythinger himself multi-hyphenate um, yeah multi-hyphenate and again as, as you heard last episode he is one of our most requested guests of, of all time in, in iap history so <laughs> here's part two so um make sure you guys stick around for and enjoy that So I had a I had a big learn this week. Well, not a big learn, but another opportunity to uh, <laughs> to another opportunity to observe uh, where I have room to improve in my career. Uh, I had a I had a <laughs> you're being uh, very you're being very specific about the language know, you're choosing know, right now. I am because I was really beating myself up about it earlier. But I had a I had a, a, a meeting for Castle. Oh, Fish awesome! Castle. I was so stoked. What? You didn't tell me about this. It was for two. Well, I got it like the you know a couple hours. One of those things where they called me. Can you be in Studio City at seven p.m. And it was like four. And I was right. Like, oh, uh, yes. So it was for one of two roles, and they're both like Irish mafia guys. So what? Uh, I emailed my agent. I said, "There's a dialect for this, right?" And he emailed me back and said, "Yeah, I talked to the cast associate. He said there is one. It's just not too severe, but but yeah, go for it." I was like, "Great." So. um I got all in my head about it, and I was like, "This is gonna be the best, most authentic dialect ever." I'm gonna blow them away, <laughs> right? Spent all like hours getting these like three lines like perfect, recording on my iPhone on the car ride up, and then listening back to to see how just how perfect I was. Got to the meeting, went into the room, did the first line. No, uh, wait, stop, dude. We we don't we don't need the dialect. You can just do it straight. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, it was like. <laughs> It was like I just had the wind knocked out of me. And of course... I'm so sorry I'm laughing right now, but that's, the way you told it was really funny. Yeah, and I just didn't... I didn't... I just didn't have the skill set. or I wasn't prepared for that. I should have been. I look back, it's like, of course I should have been prepared for that. Like, obviously. 
but yeah. uh, I wasn't, and so it really threw me a curveball, and I my, I just had a really flat, stale, boring read, and I walked out being so angry, and so that was just another oh. opportunity for me to notice to to kind of not get attached to a specific result, not get attached to a specific way for the thing to look. Um, cause I had with the dialect came like the physical mannerisms. I had a whole character like put together and I was like already. And when they took the dialect away, I, I hadn't thought about what that would be like. And I just didn't shift fast enough. And so I ended up having this like really subpar audition at this amazing casting office. I was oh. thrilled to be in. And I just, I just kind of like walked away feeling like, well, that sucked. That's so not representative of the kind of actor I am. Mm. And yet it is because <clears throat> it happened. So so that was a big learn for me. So anybody listening, maybe they can get something from from that. But that was big. And the second thing it was, I spent the whole weekend shooting at the U, the new YouTube space. Oh, that, that was this weekend, which That's is right. like I forgot about five that. minutes from here. It was amazing. I don't, yeah. Have you seen or heard anything about it? No, just from you, just from talking to you about it. So, so there's only two of these spaces in the in the world right now. Yeah. One is in London. The other one's here in LA. Actually, like five minutes from right where we are right now. And. um it's basically Google bought an airplane hangar and just converted it into so like a cool. bunch of green screen, I'm sorry, green screen stages and sound stages and and just filled it with like the latest lighting equipment, sound equipment, editing rigs, camera equipment, like anything you could possibly want. Uh, and they basically said, okay, YouTube content, content creators who wants in and like a bazillion people applied Mm -hmm. and then Google was like, all right, well, we need to stem the flow a little bit. So they picked 30 people of those initial, you know, who knows how many. And my friend Doug, who was on the podcast episode four was one of the content creators they chose Mm -hmm. for their initial, what they're calling a creator class. Mm -hmm. And so Doug called me and he's like, I, I want you to come help out with this, this new, uh, music video I'm shooting. So I went down there and all I have to say is, wow. Okay, space, first off, is amazing. And secondly, it really changed the way I look at this industry and the way I'm looking at my career as, a, as an actor DIYer. I mean, if you thought I was like gung-ho about the DIY stuff before, dude, the way I see I've it now... I've been to the Mecca. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the way I see it now, there are two paths to, to making your own career, to creating your own career, aside from getting cast. The other two paths... You could go the traditional route and make your films and do the festival circuit and and hope for the best, or you could make your own content and put it out there on on the internet, on YouTube mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Like having a web series. I know that everybody talks about web series being the one man shows of the two thousands or whatever, but seeing the the resources that Google is sinking into this and like basically the bet they're putting on it on this being the next way, the next wave of entertainment, basically. Uh, and then seeing the quality of the products that are coming out. Cause you know, there were like a dozen other groups shooting in there this weekend. So I, I memorized a lot of the names and then came home and typed them into Google to see what other people are creating. And it's like broadcast quality stuff. Wow. Like it is amazing. Some of the talent out there from people who started out just doing video blogs. Right. And two years later, they've got like scripted series that are blowing the pants off of like some stuff that you see on network television. Well, yeah, it's just like, uh, Yuri. Right, yeah, Baranowski. Yeah. I mean, the second season of of that show was like better than a lot of television shows that I've oh, yeah. seen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, it, it is. There's a complete paradigm shift ha- happening right now. Yeah, it's a weird one. It's a weird one, actually. Oh man, our our former producer Nelson sent me an article I haven't had a chance to read that I want to bring up. Maybe we'll have to bring up this exact discussion again on a future episode, but he sent me an article about the, like the death of broadcast television 
based on the success of House of Cards. Yeah. Which just went live on February 1st. I saw a billboard for that today. Around yeah, and I, and I was I like, wow, they're, this is like, they're it, advertising this like it's a yeah. mainstream thing and it's because, only on Netflix. Because it is. Oh, yeah. it, see, you just, you just did it. Like, quote unquote, <laughs> only on Netflix is like, yeah. that's not even a thing anymore. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's like a Netflix show. Like, Netflix is a They're content, their own channel. Yeah. It's a content creator. Hulu is a content creator. YouTube is a content creator. Yeah. It's like NBC, CBS, who, you know, FX, yeah. who, like, they, you know, these people are, they're, they're these other non-networks. They're not networks. They're something different. They're, 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 they're content creators that. I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're going to have to come up with a different name for them. What is YouTube? What is Hulu? What is Netflix when it comes to, they're not broad, they're not channels. They're not broadcast, you know, they're not studios, mm-hmm. but yeah. So on February 1st, a, 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 a television series essentially starring Kevin Spacey went live and they released every single episode in one day. And like I said, I haven't read this article that, um, that Nelson sent me. Uh, but I'd like to read it and, you know, maybe bring it up on a future episode, but it's just crazy. After I saw like just the incredible amount of resources that, that Google is putting into this, I was like, they're really betting a lot on this kind of thing. And, yeah. and it's not necessarily just to make money. It's just to be a forerunner in the, and what's coming. Yeah. You know, they see it coming and yeah. they're making the moves right now to place themselves as like one of like the big players. Yeah. And, and that's just the way it is. So I, I realized this and I was like, shit, I'm going to get on my game, man. And really just at, coupled with the audition experience, I was just like, all right, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to put myself in the driver's seat here. Yeah. Like, I'm still going to play the acting game, but I'm also going to really get big on the content creating game. Cause there are a lot of stories I want to be telling and I want to have control over how they're told and not, and you know, not worry about dialects making or breaking whether or not I'm in them. You know, I'm going to, make it you know like blake said you can you can get hired or you can make your own job and hire yourself mm-hmm. like which one's going to be more effective yeah or happen more often yeah or happen more often or, or which one's a better bet <clears throat> yeah so yeah how about you man what's oh uh, i had a callback for that pilot, for pilot yeah. which was awesome um it was cool to get a callback like the next day so like i went in i auditioned the next day i got a call from my manager she said you know you uh uh you know, you got a, um, you got a callback and I was of course ecstatic. And, you know, she tried to temper that a little bit. She was like, well, listen, you've got like 10 more to go before you even get to the network. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so excited that, you know, I mean, cause it's Junie, Junie Lowry Johnson and, mm-hmm. um, she's great. She cast true blood and a bunch of other big ones. Yeah. So many big things. So just to have a callback in, in that office, I'm like, that's good news. That's really good news. And it's a a show that's going to be about a lot of middle Eastern characters. So if I don't book the pilot and it goes, which I have no reason to think it wouldn't because you know, it's the writer of Homeland and it's going to be on FX and it's pushing the envelope and it sounds like it's going to be great, you know, but uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of, Middle Eastern characters on it, like, you know, if I don't book the pilot, I'm sure I'll go back in for other stuff in the future. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, you know, the callback was on Friday. It, we're recording on Tuesday. So, you know, <clears throat> there's a chance that they haven't reached out. But at the same time, like, it's been a couple of days. So I'm wondering what what's going on. That being said, I had a great audition both times. I felt very comfortable. I was very... Um, I felt very good about my choices. I didn't get any redirection either time. So, you know, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not going to try and read into that uh, too much. The only thing 
that I was kind of bumming about is that I am really good at taking direction. Mm-hmm. So if I get redirected and I take a note, it's like, oh, good. We, you know, we can work with this. Guy. Right. Um, so maybe they're waiting for a third one with the director to actually do stuff like that. That's what, you know, that's the space that I'm holding and mm-hmm. we'll just see what happens. Oh, that's what I was going to say is that I felt good about both auditions and they both went on tape. So cool. now they have two takes of me doing this scene uh, the only scene that this guy is in in the pilot really, really well. Well, it's the, it's the only scene with dialogue that he has in the pilot, and I and I like I said, I think I nailed him. I nailed it both times. So now they have me on tape doing it well both times. So, like I said, best case best case scenario, I book it. Worst case scenario, I book the office. Uh huh. You know, that's that's my you know, my, my feeling about are it. Are you, uh, are you going to follow up with them anyway? Like the postcard? Or I was in a call. I was going to call my manager and see if we were going to get feedback. I'm also supposed to go in. I think I talked about the fact that I had a lunch meeting with my agent uh, yeah, yeah, last, last week episode. on the podcast. Yeah. Um, in, yeah, in the last episode. So I told him that he asked me to stop by the office. He even said to do so kind of unexpectedly. So I think what I'm going to do is call my manager, see if she's heard anything and if we're going to get any feedback on it. And drop by the office, my agent's office, and just kind of like see if I if there's anything I can sort of mine from it. Because right. <clears throat> the thing is, is like, yes, I would love to send them a postcard thanking me for bringing in, bringing me in. At the same time, it, to me, it's ultimately more important that they just remember who I am and who I'm associated with. So if they know I'm associated with Stone Manor Sounders, and they know I'm associated with my with uh, my manager, and they know who I am and they know they got a good performance from me and it was consistent both times. I have no doubt that they're going to, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that I need to send them a postcard in order for them to remember me. Mm-hmm. So if I don't, so now I'm like playing this game of like, it would it be premature to send them a postcard now when they're still trying to put together the pilot cast. Do you get what I'm saying? Right. So like I if I, so. so like what I'm saying is like, it, I think it would be weird to have a postcard show up at their office. And then I go in in a few days for like a, directors uh-huh. or producers callback. I think that would gotcha, be gotcha. an odd So you might wait a week or two. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you don't hear then Exactly. Gotcha. Or if I get feedback like let's say cuz I've got this has happened before where I've gone in, I've had a callback or I've had an initial audition, the casting office reaches out to either my agent or my manager saying like he was awesome, he just doesn't like fit the role. Like I went out to play Robert De Niro and Diane Keaton's like adopted son once I talked about that on the podcast mm-hmm. and he was like he was some some from some Latin because he was like Argentinian or something like that and the casting directors were blown away they were like he was perfect he like did it exactly right he just doesn't look Latin enough mm-hmm. which of course then I start, start telling myself all kinds of stories about like ah I'm ethnically ambiguous but I don't look but enough my, like anything in particular Latin yeah but anyway that's feedback. Mm. I feel like when that happens, you get on a short list. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like the NCI it's like the office of, of the NCIS and NCIS LA. Like I never send them a postcard and they bring me in all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the feedback. I don't know. I have weird back and forths with myself when it comes to marketing myself. Yeah, well the best marketing is just really good work consistently good work. Yeah, I know people, but I, you know, that's the thing is like, I know people that are really successful. Ben is really successful in terms of setting out marketing material. And I know a lot of other actors are really, you know, Mark Atterbury does it all the time. Yeah. That's a big part of his, his big, class. Yeah. And, um, and they use it and they use it to great success. So I don't know. Uh, I'm still in process about that. Maybe I need to 
stopping in process and take action. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Well, worst <clears> case, <throat> they get uh, they get an extra couple postcards from you, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we know." <laughs> you know, <laughs> worst case, you know. Do you want to do this voicemail? Let's do it. <clears throat> yeah. Let's, okay. Uh, let's. So we talked about this on the last episode. This is a great, great, great example of what our voicemail line is for. Um, This is an example of somebody who uh, heard something on the podcast and uh, just wanted to offer a uh, a, a, a bit of a dissenting opinion, I suppose you could say. Hey, guys. uh, My name is Josiah Austin, and I'm an actor from the Twin Cities area as well. just calling to follow up on something that you guys mentioned on um, episode 93, the part two of Blake um, Blake's interview. And, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to throw out an idea here. One of the things that was, was indicated in the podcast is that union actors should consider possibly doing non-union work without the union's blessing. And, um, the, you know, I just... I think there are a couple things to consider here. First of all, um, I think that's kind of dangerous advice for people that are in smaller markets, especially mm-hmm. where um, the unions can afford to uh, pay more attention and pay closer attention to what's going on in their jurisdiction. Um, you know, especially considering how hard it is for actors to come by things like benefits and their retirement and then you know, pension and all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think, risking a fine or even a suspension of union membership is just not worth it when there are so many other options for instance um, uh, trying to organize the project as a SAG Indy which is not expensive it's no, not it's a not. jailbreak proposition one. More um, difficult. it's usually yeah. just a, a per diem and a small contribution uh, on behalf of the producers to um, to the, the SAG fund and, and things like that um, also uh, having the SAG talent as an associate producer, mm-hmm. um, that can be an option cool. too, which can make it much more feasible for the uh, <laughs> for, for the producers to use union talent in a way that is totally copacetic with the union and doesn't put the actor and their um, union status and membership in jeopardy. So I would just kind of um, I would just say when it comes to non-union actors, or pardon me, when it comes to union actors doing non-union work. It's always best to try to get the union's blessing in advance, and um, I don't know that it's really ever worth it to put what so many actors have worked so hard to uh, fight for in the way of um, in the way right. of a, a security yeah. for an actor's future mm-hmm. um, to put that at risk in the name of you know short-term gain and an additional 15 seconds on your reel. If it's really <laughs> really crucial that you, you take on this project and there's a way to make it work um, in a way that respects all of your other brother and sister actors who have fought their way into this union and who have fought to protect the rights that we enjoy as a result of its existence. Um, anyway, thanks again. I'm, I'm, like I said, a big fan of the podcast and uh, I just wanted to kick in my two cents there. Take care. Uh, dude, thank you so much for calling in and, and offering your two cents. This is exactly the kind of thing we're looking for on this podcast, especially when, um, 
we've only we were really only talking about part of the argument and we were only giving credence to part of the argument with that with that comment back in episode 93 so um wow a lot of good points there yeah a lot of really 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 good really good points really good points and it's actually something that ben and i have been talking about lately (laughs) the patronus inside right the patronus (laughs) expecto patronum um he i totally forgot i said that that's really funny um (laughs) No, but he. one of the things that he's been doing lately is exactly what Josiah was saying, which is that if he goes onto a project and it's not at least ultra-low-budget SAG-indie contract, he'll basically tell the producers, yeah, I would love to work on your project. Um, you know, have you essentially filled out the paperwork? Because right. that's all it's, – it's paperwork. That's yeah. all it is. So 99.9% of the time, if it's not – Go, if it's a project that's not going to be a union project, it's because the producers are lazy. Yeah, right. <clears throat> um, yeah, although I will say... The only other objections are that it's expensive and or difficult and or time-consuming. But, right. But, but, I mean, that that says a lot as an actor, too, to show up and say, I, w- I love your project. I would love to be a part of it. I'm part of the unions. Is there any way to make these these win this, this a win-win? You know, like, I joined yeah. the union because of A, B, and C. I believe in actors having their rights. Just like Josiah said, what can we do to make this a union project so that I get to work with you? And that's not being snobby. That's standing right. up for your for your rights as, a, as an artist. And and you approach it that way, I think uh, you'd have a huge chance of of enrolling, so to speak, <laughs> nice. of enrolling the uh, the production to to step it up to a union status. Right, right. And and there's so many ways to do it. And Josiah mentioned some of them. I think though, I do have to mention that. I think there was a bit of a misunderstanding. I think you said we because we talked about this voicemail before, and I think you were saying that you said something that you thought might have been misconstrued as yeah. him thinking we were encouraging people to you know union actors to do non union work. Because uh, we, yeah, we don't condone that. Yeah, I'll go back and listen all. to it, but I'm pretty I'm pretty certain. I really hope I didn't come off the wrong way because I'm, I I really definitely don't want to say. Yeah, everybody buck the system, go out and screw the unions and do whatever you want. Yeah. That's definitely not it. But I, you said I, you thought you well, remembered what it was that you did say. Yeah, I remember saying that in my experience, I mean, I had I was I was posed with this exact issue where I was offered a non-union gig uh that that could have been beneficial for my career and and I like to think it was. Uh and but I'm but I'm a union actor, so I called my agent and I said, "So, here's the deal. Like I'd love to do this, but I'm I'm not union." And he said, my agent, who's been in this agent in this industry for a long time, he said, uh, "Look, if you do do it, and this is this is speaking in the context of Los Angeles." So Josiah brought up a good point with the you know the kind of minor the markets, as smaller it were. markets, um, sort of easier to yeah. get caught. Kind I, of thing. I don't know what it's like there. Maybe they do pay yeah. more attention there, and, and if they do, it's not surprising. Um, but yeah, he said, you know, if the union does find out, it's about a one in ten thousand chance they will. And if they do find out, it's about a one in ten thousand chance they're going to care or do anything about it. And you know, knock on wood, so far that's the way it's worked out. Right. Uh, nobody so, said anything to me. <laughs> right. So then I think the next step in terms of Josiah's objection is that you're kind of you're kind of it's it's a, it becomes a more it becomes right. a moral issue after By that. By sharing right? that experience, it's almost like saying, "Well, I got away with it, kids." You know? Like, no, no, no. What I'm saying is like you're kind of like you're kind of, it's kind of a slap in the face to the other people who work so hard to become part of the union so that they could get the benefits that, that comes with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a legit interpretation. And I, I want to apologize if that was that, if what came across was me condoning that kind of thing. 
I think, I think our come from always has been that if it's something like you're trying to create like a scene for your reel or something, like let's say you get a bunch of friends together with some DSLRs or you hire one of those companies that like makes a reel mm-hmm. for actors or something like that, that I don't see a problem with that because you're, it's not something that's going to get distributed. It's not, it's, it's a very, it's for a very specific purpose, which is to create uh, footage for your reel. So it's, it's not, it, it, I don't even think it's part of this discussion, but if it's going to be distributed, if it's a web series, if it's a short film, if it's something that's going to go into a festival, if it's a feature film, if it's anything like that, that's going to get any kind of distribution and might have legs in the future, mm-hmm. then yeah, fill out some yeah. paperwork. The tricky <laughs> thing with this, well, I'll just go ahead and say what it was. This was the prank. My mom episode that I would, that I, uh, went in for and, and actually oh. shot. And so it was, you know, it's a, it's a legit network. It was, uh, um, and they knew I was union and they still wanted to hire me. So I don't really know what happened behind the scenes. I don't remember all the wording on the paperwork I signed, (laughs) but you know, they, everybody involved knew that I was a union actor and, um, still said, let's do it. So I kind of trusted the system a little bit. Maybe I shouldn't have, or maybe I'm misinterpreting or missing something in the mix there. But, uh, regardless, I'm so to the one person who, it really matters. Yeah. My representation and it's their job to negotiate all that stuff too. So maybe, maybe they did. Maybe there's, (laughs) there's a piece of the conversation I'm not privy to, but regardless, I'm so glad we're having this, this dialogue Mm -hmm. on on the show. Cause this is, uh, this is, this is the kind of stuff that I think actors tend to kind of sweep under the rug and say, I don't need to worry about that stuff. But what he brought up is a really good point, which is a lot of actors over the years have fought really, really, really hard for the rights uh, of their future, you know, kind of peers. Uh, and, and that's huge, man. I mean, that is not something to be taken lightly. No, not at all. And I think the reason that, and for those, you know, and kudos to those actors. And then for those who sweep it under the rug, like you said, I think the reason it gets swept under the rug is because it's so confusing. Like there's so many things about this industry that like we don't understand. And, you know, people call in and we're like, we don't know. Ask, you know, let's put it out back out to our listeners. You know, right. There's so many things. There's so many like intricacies that's why this show exists right yeah yeah oh speaking of which it's kind of a good segue i don't know if we have time for this now but we should plug our um our live episode again oh yeah considering now that we have now that we have our panelists we can kind of start to announce what it's about and it's this is exactly what it's about let's uh yeah let's do it at the end all right awesome uh anything else you wanted to share on on that voicemail for you um no just look forward to episode 100 <laughs> josiah maybe maybe you can uh write in a question when you hear about what the what the uh, panelists are who yeah the pa- who the panelists are yeah and and thank you again for for uh for calling in and, and offering a dissenting opinion um not even right. a dissenting opinion for just bringing a, another a- aspect of the argument to our attention yep Really, um, that God, Absolutely. I'm so glad that he did because that's that I, I like feed. We feed off that mm-hmm. stuff as as a, as a podcast. So definitely, definitely. Anybody else out there with uh, two cents to drop in? Please don't feel shy. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool, man. So part two of Kevin West's interview. Um, enjoy this, guys, and we'll see you on the other side. So let's talk a little bit about the Actors Network. 
um, how if it you got insist, <laughs> how it got started, why why you started it, um, what it is, because like I said, I know I haven't experienced it. I don't know if you've been there. You know um, more about it than I do. I know a lot about ben it is, because of Ben, but uh, ben. yeah, never. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about it. Let's introduce it to our, our audience and, and okay. hear about where it came from again and, and what it is. Well, you know, when you say what it is, well, the Actors Network is a business education information organization for actors, and you spit that out. And people just go, huh? Sounds then, good to me. Then I turn around and I say, okay, let me tell you what it isn't. It's not a workshop one-night stand joint. It's not an acting school. It's not a submission service. It's not a fake management company. We're not going to try and sell you the breakdowns on the black market. It is legitimately a business gym for actors as a membership place like being a member of a gym. A business gym. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. I love that. That's, that, that is what the act – but – the problem over the years, and I'll, I'll get to why I started it, or, or more notably that I just kind of accidentally started it. I, this is one of those things I didn't plan on. Now it's 21 and a half years later, and the organization still exists. Uh, it's like, oops, uh, whoops a dinky. Uh, careful what you mean to do. Uh, but what happens to us, Trevor, is that because the business of show business is such a worn out, lame ass phrase. And because networking is such a worn-out, lame-ass word, um, most actors I know here, anywhere in the world, especially Sydney or London or anywhere else, we all sort of know what the business of the business means. So a lot of people look at the actors and go, oh, well, I got all that. I know that I'm supposed to this, I'm supposed to that, I'm supposed to this, I'm supposed to that. It's like, well, that's like saying, you know, you're supposed to eat right and work out. It doesn't mean that you do it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's why, you know, some people need gyms. Some people don't. You know, some people are good with Stairmaster in their house. Some people, it just winds up being a place you hang your dry cleaning, uh, you know, after two months after you buy it. it. So the Actors Network was always designed when I first called, and this is exactly what I did, um, March of 1991, 3928 Carpenter Avenue, right off Ventura Boulevard in Studio City right across from the Carpenter Avenue Elementary School in apartment 210, where I live with my sister. I Wait, called, where? Where was it? Uh, <laughs> she's not specific? there anymore, Trav. <laughs> uh, there's so much I can say to that that I'm not going to. I'm just going to let all that bad comedy go. Um, and I just I called like 15 people that I knew at the time. And uh, I said, hey, call a couple people. I'm going to have a meeting at this apartment. 43 people showed up. Wow. Um, and this is 91. And when I finished discussing that I wanted to have a weekly meeting and sit around and discuss stuff that we were facing and problems with, because I'd been here at that time for four years. And half of the shit that I was dealing with as an actor, you couldn't find in a book. And you still can't find it. It's still, you know, most of the books on the business of the business say the same 15 things about the same 15 things. It's mm-hmm. just boring. Um, I mean, it's not wrong. It's just uh, it's not not nearly in depth of what human beings face psychologically, emotionally, and physically, being basically a coke can for sale. And that's what we are. We are physical products for sale. We are puppets. That's that's what we do. It has nothing to do and shouldn't touch how much you love performing and how much we admire people who do the films we you know watch the oscars for and etc but to the other side of the business until we're an actual commodity until you're something that you can really make money off of we're a physical product that's what we are 
So maybe it's the athlete part of me that was able to accept that better than a lot of our community is. But I just wanted to sit down and discuss shit. I just wanted to cover. I wanted to, you know, have a game plan and, and, you know, kind of in the buddy system, which is what we have to this day at the Actors Network, um, be responsible to get stuff done. Because it is one of the only professions in the world that literally no entry barrier and no consequence for not doing anything. You you can't get fired from a job you don't have. And all you got to do is have you, all you got to do is have your roommate take a you know picture with a camera with an elf camera, and upload it to LA Casting, pay one hundred and forty dollars, and you're quote unquote an actor in the LA marketplace. Well, you know I'm sure that people who are engineers and doctors and lawyers and professional athletes and you know professional violinists in the Vienna Philharmonic would like to argue the requirement really needed of you to call yourself a professional. So. That's kind of where it generated, and it was just a chat. I mean, the, you know how many people came back the, uh, the next week to actually uh-huh. start this out of 43? Two. Five. The first meeting was myself, my girlfriend, and five other people. What is that? That's like a – what is that percentage on that? It's insane. It's insane. And here's, but, but, it's, but I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Here's the one that's even better about it, Trevor. Those for, uh, Again, I don't count myself 10, and my girlfriend 10%. at the time, but funny enough, of the other five people, only one of them – was someone that I knew. Four of the people that had come to my apartment that night were brought by someone else. I'd never met them before. So all the people that I called, only one of the people that I actually knew at the time was one of the ones who first started. That was it. All my friends didn't do it. And what did you ask of them? Just let's show up and talk. Let's meet every week and and just develop a game plan and keep each other accountable. And it evolved. I mean, you know, that's why I laugh. It's like the networks, technically the first meeting was May 1st, 1991. In July of 95, when we got our first space, because at first we just did it in my apartment, then I rented a room at my theater company, which was Theater East, which was above Jerry's Deli in the bowling alley in Studio City. That was the second location. Then I rented a room at, a, at another company down the street, which will go unnamed because it will take us off on a different tangent, and I'm not going there. And then the fourth place was this goofy little space that this guy did some sort of weird modeling classes with kids. Don't get me started. I, I'm not really sure. Um, it was a little disturbing, but it was near the corner. Corner of Vineland and Ventura, uh, and that was the last place that I just rented for the meetings. You know, we just have a two and a half hour meeting, and I just rent the room. Um, and then we finally got our own space, which was the first space was at the corner of Whitsitt and Moore Park, across from the Oyster House. But that was four plus years into quote unquote me doing this thing. We only had eighty members after four years, so it wasn't something that I tried to do as a business. It wasn't. It was just something I believed in. I I believe. All four of us are sitting here in this room, and not one of us is the same product. Why are we so defiantly bent on not helping each other out? There's so much shit in Hollywood that has nothing to do with how your career is going, but would be so helpful if you got insight from two or three other people on it. And that's inherently exponential value, experiential power is the reason why I started the Actors Network is what you can learn from someone else that isn't math and science, not very definable, affects you differently than it affects AJ, even though you guys are friends. You guys aren't the same product. How you would handle Joe Person, how you would handle same Joe Person, same night, same place, would be different because you're different people. Um, and so that's that really is, is how, now, why I've continued it since the summer of 95. That's a whole other Oprah. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I, philosophically, I, I will always believe in, when you're discussing subjectivity, I'll, I'll always believe in the ability to um, talk to people about your experiences and what you do and don't know. Because um, life is difficult. Life is uncertain. 
Um, Hollywood is hard enough already. And I'm, you know, I'm a single-minded guy, Trevor. I grew up without a father, and I grew up working since the time I was 11. I'm the dude who would, would have lived his life, his whole life going, I don't need anybody. And I don't ask for help a lot and all that sort of stuff. But something about Los Angeles told me this. I, you know, uh, let's get some people together and see if we can't, you know, talk about them out there and be better prepared to go in. I think maybe my whole thing was going into audition is difficult. You're walking into a room and it's not like any other job interview. It is a job interview. But I don't believe that, uh, like you said, AJ, there's a, I think there's a ton of talented people out there. I, th- I think that anybody as a human being could win an Oscar because we're people playing people. But your talent goes away the second you clear that door because of the eyeballs on you when you walk in that room. Mm-hmm. And, so and no different than sports. Some people just seem to perform better in the clutch or just whatever. Any of those moments are things that some people just do better at it than others. Yeah. And um, I think that the more you could possibly talk to your fellow peers about what that casting director is like in the room, what that agent or manager is like in a meeting, to me is no different than what the hell you ask your friend about going on a blind date with somebody. It's like, to me, Hollywood is just Match.com. That's what it is. The more shit you know about someone, what their personality is like, what their th- interests are. You can't tell me if you know if you like dogs and you like golf and you found out that an agent you were meeting with or one of them at the agency likes dogs and golf, you wouldn't bring that up in a meeting. Of course you would. But outside of a place like the Actors Network where we have a huge thing called the Squid Book, you can't really find that unless you talked to fellow actors who've been there. So that's why I was always pushing to be around people who were pushing to meet people who could then consider them. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to just be around actors that were just hanging out, talking with other actors. Like, I want right. to be around actors yeah. who were every yeah. day trying to, like, shake someone's hand and have some information. <clears throat> I mean, man, back in the day of the Actors Network, you were required to come back with a tip that was not available to the general public about something. And if you didn't have one, you had to pay a dollar. <laughs> I and, love that, and that's how we threw our first holiday party. Was off the dollars that <laughs> no I no way really did. Yeah, that's how up until the <laughs> that paid for everything. Yeah, huh? up until I stopped the tip dollar thingy as a part of the model of the organization. That's how I paid for, and that's what I, the first holiday party was just a chili bucket of chili and some friends at an apartment. You know, that's what it was. But I mean, the point it was that's I th- I think I started it because th- those were the kinds of fellow actors who weren't didn't have any credits, who didn't this, who didn't this, but I wanted to be around that mentality. Of, yeah. Come on, let's go get it. It's, we're in the city. It's right there. Let's go get it. Yeah. Best answer I can give you. Yeah. Well, they say that the le- your level of success, financial, emotional, um, spiritual, like all that stuff is the sum or I guess the average of the five people you spend the most time with. <laughs> so why would you not want to actively surround yourself with people who are, like you said, kind of go-getters? Yeah. I mean, it yeah. sounds like the perfect uh, the perfect idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so for, for an actor who maybe is um, newer to this industry or, or, or just kind of on the fence about where they are um, and doesn't quite know what next step to take, short of signing up with the Actors Network, what suggestions would you have for them? Research. Uh, it's a dirty word. Uh, the word work is a dirty word for us, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It just is. Um, but I think that research and... And enough experimenting that you're clear. Again, you just go back to the stand-up comedy story and go back to, AJ, what you said, saying no. I think the hardest thing for us to do is to just not exist. Like, we're literally in the middle of the game. You move to Hollywood. You're literally in the middle of the field. And all around you is this industry. All around you. Every day. 
and we literally tend and you know fill a stadium with not fill it make it a small stadium fill it with 10,000 people there are 10,000 agents managers casting producer writer director network executives studio executives 10,000 people around you and what we do is we keep standing around the city doing nothing going well I'm here um, <laughs> yeah find me and I know people that might be listening might go no I'm not doing that and it's like well you might not be because you feel that you're clicking on submissions and you feel that you sent out some postcards once and you, you did a, a show once. And you, but I still think it comes down to a certain amount of self-discipline and a certain amount of focus because I think you have to – and then you I think you have to really determine, okay, I, I love doing all kinds of performing. Trevor, I, I like voiceover. Um, I mean, I, I do a pretty good Clinton for the hell of it because, you know, I'm a white boy from the South. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I like to do. But you're going to have to really probably figure out just, and that's why I use the Will Ferrell example. Bill Maher was in a couple of movies when he first moved here way back in the day. He decided, I don't really, this is not my thing. I get it, but it's not my thing. Bill Maher found his thing. Look where he is today. Now he's Bill Maher. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that that's part of what it is. And that's part of, for me, why I'm trying to make sure that I start bringing comedy back into my life at this point. Because that was my first thing. And uh, as much as I've oh, I've loved all the television stuff that I've done, um, I want to make sure that that's actually a part of my life now as I continue because it's just a huge part of me. Um, but I think that's part of what it is. Is people will tell you, "Gosh, let me just tell you the things people tell you." Hey, you know, Trev, you got great eyes, good smile. You really should do commercials. You know, AJ, you got a good voice. You really should. So we get shooted into stop shooting on yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry, I apologize. <laughs> we get shooted into um, without realizing it being open to or thinking we're pursuing what I consider to be six or seven different careers. And it's even worse if you were a dancer. Wow. It's yeah. even worse if you were a singer, you know, if you, if you, the old triple threat thing from New York, um, you know, which doesn't make it BS. But I mean, again, I look at someone like Hugh Jackman. Look, first of all, how good looking the guy is. Second of all, the shape that he's in. And how long did it take him before Hollywood noticed him for the movies? Again, go do research on his career. And go, why would a guy with this good a face, this good a smile, this good a talent, in the other ways we call a triple threat, why would it take so long for a place like Hollywood to finally go, you know, we should have that guy in a movie? Okay, but it wasn't like it was after his first show. It was a long time. Glenn Close's first movie, she was 35. So, I, you know, I, I think that, uh, that we just should ourselves into being so open to so everything that we just wind up so tired and so overwhelmed that two years go by. And, yeah, we'll do new pictures again and we'll find a new teacher or somebody will come join the Actors Network for a few months and then stop or they'll go and do that thing or this thing. And, of course, as always, they'll go do 67 workshops, um, you know, one-night stands, which are, you know, prostitution without a guarantee. Um, you know, not that they don't have their place, but it's prostitution without a guarantee because you're paying for something that's completely subjective, that's a service that has no guaranteed result. I know the purpose of it. I know why we do it. But again, all of those things just serve to, I think, sometimes get us two or three years into being in L.A. and being no closer to making sure you focus on the soulful part of the performer part of you and how it really would work in Hollywood. And it's hard, man. Listen, I'm not, I'm not making these comments or statements because they're easy. Uh, it's difficult. It's hard to say no. It's very hard because it's my favorite thing that I think destroys actors in the city. It's called actor noise. 
It's a chapter that I came up with a long time ago. It's no different than the noise sound checks you guys were doing before we started the podcast. It's like, what's constantly scratching in your head? What's constantly scratching in your head is your friend at class who's not your type at all. You know, six foot two black guy. He's doing something and you're thinking to yourself, hey, I could do that. It's literally Dustin Hoffman in the first 10 minutes of Tootsie. Want me to be taller? Want me to be shorter? I'll put a wig on it. It's like, yeah, that's the difference between a lot of stage love of performing versus the reality and the economics of film and television. It doesn't have anything to do with giving or dissing theater at all in any way. No, it's just a different business. It's and, And the people that you're trying to get to consider you think differently. Right. And unfortunately, they're required to think differently. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what Joe Casting Director would like to do. (laughs) They're required to honor the person writing their check. (laughs) And so that's all it is. I I just think that you got to do a lot of research. Um, We as a community don't know enough names. We don't know enough of who's doing what, which is so easy today compared to back when I moved here. and and we it's 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 just hard to pare down and go no this is this is what I really really want to do, and if you find an element of this business that you really love to no end, go do that, and see if you can't make a living at that one first, and then after that, then spread your rings, hmm. spread your wings, <laughs> and I use Farrah Fawcett you know as an example of that when she was living because Farrah Fawcett my childhood I'm older than you guys, you know Farrah Fawcett was Farrah Fawcett she was Charlie's Angels. But she was this beautiful woman that we just thought of as a beautiful woman in a bathing suit. Um, Farrah Fawcett would never have been allowed to do extremities, which she did later in her life, until she had already done all the other stuff and she was no longer 22. It's like, you know, you can judge, well, I'm a pretty girl and I'm just going to be hired and make money as a pretty girl. Yeah. You can be self-righteous or you can be, you know, oh, but I'm a serious actor. I don't do blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, well, this may just simply then not be the marketplace for you. Because like I say, man, you can be an actor anywhere in the world. You don't have to be in Hollywood, you know, where a bathroom of a house costs 175 grand. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Amen. You know. Yeah. I think you just answered my next question, though, too, because I was just about to ask you what tips you had. I mean, if there's 43, you said? That's what I came up with one day Mm -hmm. about 10 years ago. I mean, I I mean. I could maybe have changed it by now. (laughs) I can't. No, no, no. I I, I mean, who? like, that doesn't surprise me at all. Like, that number sounds perfectly, you know. Uh, valid and believable. But what I was going to say is that the number doesn't matter. There's a lot of them. And, you know, I w- I w- what I was going to ask is if you had any tips on for someone on, on getting focused. You know, what um, what someone can do to essentially <clears throat> find the one domino that they're going to knock over. Right, hmm. or, or you know that is I mean? the, yeah. the target domino, as as it were. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and also, you know, AJ, when I say that, I I just want to I want to make sure that I do clarify for your audience what I mean by that. What I mean by that is the following: daytime television uh, is an example that I always use. It's scripted acting, okay, but the way that it functions. And the way that it works because of how they have to shoot daytime television, even though it's come way down with digital technology and four shows left, um, it's a different process. And it's to me, it's a process that you either dig or you don't as a human who happens to be an actor. But my bigger point about the areas of industry are that those writers, producers, and directors almost never, I, I, you won't get me to say never, but 99.1% of the time, those writers don't become writers on just shoot me. 
or Modern Family, just as the writers from Modern Family don't suddenly wake up one day and start writing for Criminal Minds. That's a really good point. What I'm saying, the reason why I say areas of industry are, once again, going back to that consider statement. The professionals that are available to consider you in a particular area to hire you as a performer, those professionals may all float along in a river side by side, but the water rarely mixes. People who've been casting drama television since the late 80s are still casting drama television today. My former uh, uh, longtime professional friend, Debbie Borilski, was doing half-hour format television in 1988 when I met her. And she does half-hour format television to this day because that's how she's known by the people that hire her. She's that, and that's why I call them areas of industry. Daytime so it's television. The same thing, it's the same thing as, as the actors. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it's, look, uh, that's why I use symphony every analogies. Level, every, and, yeah. every, every level, every um, position, if you will, you know, if we're going back to the, you know, uh, playing on the field, you know, every single position, whether it's, you know, executives or casting directors or writers, writers is a great example. You know, they're all, they all have their domino. Right. So right. to speak. Yeah. yeah. Commonly people who write, you know, 48 minute, you know, teaser, sixth act drama television don't tend to if they've done enough of it and are successful at it they don't tend to get asked to do a half hour pilot because it's a different discipline it's a different skill set your mind functions differently within having artistic talent so you know listen i'm not telling everybody to go spend two years aj like i did with stand-up but that's an example of it i didn't just try it one day I did seven sets of stand-up a week while working seven restaurant shifts a week while writing constantly and having a recorder in my car and going to improv class and going to the sketch troupe that I was in. And I did it for almost two years solid without doing a lot of other stuff. But when it was finally presented to me of, oh, okay, well, we're officially going to let you cross over from being an amateur into being a paid professional. Get on, you know, get, get on a plane and go to Mississippi. That was the defining point for me. I went like, oh, well, I don't want to do this. I didn't want to do it enough then to do it. I think you have to make an effort towards, uh, because, you know, we're sitting here talking to a microphone. How much time have you really spent in a booth? Mm-hmm. And do you dig that? Do you, can, do you like kind of, you know, creating a story with your voice in the dark? And if, and if you just have a good voice... There's going to be a part of you that doesn't wind up doing it as well as somebody else who does. I think you have to try some stuff. That's why lifetime membership at the Actors Network is three years. It's three years for a reason, which is not even the length of time people spend in college getting a piece of paper that doesn't guarantee them anything. Um, we're a very impatient community because of you know there's no consequence, there's no entry barrier. But I think that if you spend three years in this city really figuring out by at least trying, you know, it doesn't really turn me on. It was fine. It was cool. It's fun, but I would wasn't. Mm. I mean, I, to me, man, you gotta get a piece of material, whatever it is, and just go. Mm. And I will say that outside of you know doing stand up or writing silly shit that I could write, I still have that reaction to a really good piece of theatrical material. So it's not hard for me to understand why my resume is a bunch of hour drama, because when I get a really good piece of material, like I just did for this this pilot for USA. When I get the material and look at it, uh, that part of me still has that youthful enthusiasm that I had when I drove across the country about getting the chance to do that. And if you don't have that, if it's just, yeah, I can or, yeah, I could, that's one of those areas, AJ. Or maybe this is my way in. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, right. what I yeah. like to say all the time is there's a difference between being of open to something that falls in your lap versus being willing to pursue something. We all think we're pursuing a career by breathing in the city. No, you're not. You're just breathing in the city. Hmm. 150,000 people have a picture and a headshot and in a website. Yeah. Pursuing is an active word. That's why going after something versus, like I say all the time, I've done daytime. I've done a bunch of it. I just didn't send a bunch of postcards and a bunch of stuff trying to make daytime happen. If my agent calls me to go on, you know, same thing, commercial audition that I have today, I've never sent since 1988 or 89, I've never sent mailings out to the commercial industry. It's the difference in I'll go on it, but I don't try to go to it. Mm-hmm. And and you just, I think you have to only have a couple of go-tos and the rest of them have to be what I call things that come your way through the process, through mm-hmm. the professional process. But pursuing has got to be something that you're, that you really have a, you know, that you salivate for or, or you will get tired of pursuing it because... It's a very unforgiving business. Most of the efforts you make are not remunerated immediately. You can't see, you know, it's not a, it's not a 40 hour in money out profession. It just isn't. Yeah. So it's gotta be something you're kind of passionate about. So your go-to, the thing that you have spent the most time pursuing is the hour long. Yeah. Dramas. That's like, and, and now you I'm going to focus your work, yeah. your tasky right. type things, right. if you will. And again, the people that I know and who I, but now because I've done it for as long as I have, and I, I do have, I do have a really legitimate resume of, of knowing that I can go in and read for either those pilots or go in and do those jobs. I don't have to do as much of that as I did. Certainly, I would think I wouldn't have to. So now I, I do have focus and time to look at a different domino that was a part of me. My mother and my sister are still very mad at me that I didn't spend more time in comedy. Uh, so now I have a little bit of the luxury of going, okay, so I'm going to go back to this door that I, didn't, that I started to open, but I, I backed out and closed it and dropped all the shit at the door. Um, I'm going to go back and spend some more time doing this because I really did enjoy improv. I really did enjoy doing standup um, and just put a little bit of a different twist on it. But um, that's only because I've spent as much time doing the drama as I can. You know, I'm going to get called in because my resume says, Oh, but he's done blah, blah, blah. So, you know, but I even still, still not a star, but, but yet, but our drama is something that turns me on. So that's part of what I'm saying. I do dig it. You know, I, I read for this thing for NCIS and had a pin in me, and I so wanted to get that job, not just because it pays you, not just because it's a credit, not just because it's the number one show on television, because that dude was somebody that I wanted to get to live in for a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all. You know, not every not everything does that to me, but most of them do. You know, if you don't dig it, man, you got you to gotta do something else. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Wow. I love it, because that sounds like a... What I'm hearing is follow your bliss, but get really specific about it. In in this city, yeah. I yeah, mean, uh, you yeah. know, if I went back to Atlanta, it, it would be much easier to to kind of just be in, uh, you, you know, an everyman yeah. um, just because of the nature of the amount of jobs or the competition or, or however you want to look at it. And I rarely even use the word competition in this business because I just think that we're different people. Yeah, um, I love you know, that. A different version of white you know, there's whiter. You know, there's fifty shades of fifty shades of gray. There's fifty shades of white. There's fifty shades of black. There's fifty shades of Asian. There's fifty shades of all those things. So, uh, you know, the one thing I don't do is I really don't try to compare myself to others because, you know, I'm five ten white guy and this is my face and this is the shape that I'm in, and whether I'm in better shape, two inches, that'd be the same thing. It doesn't matter. There's always going to be somebody out there that gives the producers or the network executives 
a reason to not hire you. Yeah. There are, there are always a hundred more reasons to not hire you than there are to hire you. So, you know, and again, AJ, you asked me the question. One of the first things that, that I think people should have before they come here, but good Lord, you have to acquire it within the first couple of years or you'll never survive Hollywood is it ain't personal. Hmm. Yeah. Amen. Boom. You know, Amen. Yeah. You know, I've had them hire. I've, I, I've, you know, been down to the last couple of people and a friend of mine literally called me. I tell this joke all the time. Like, dude, you were close, but they went Asian female. <laughs> How was that close? It's an yeah. absolute true story. Dude, it was for a Disney movie of the week or some crap years ago. Dude, you were close, but they went Asian female. How in the... Does it make me close? It's like, dude, you're a German Shepherd. You were really close, but they went with that whole Taco Bell dog. Right. Um, yeah. Like, huh? Like, but that's just... That's the... You're not in that room. You know, uh, Amy Jo Berman uh, did a recent piece on, on her blog for Backstage West about the 25 reasons why you aren't going to get the job. They were hysterical. Yeah, I saw because that. Because they're so freaking true. Because like, oh, you... And this is true. I knew a casting director way back in the day who cast three... Think about this. Is Three... She was by herself, too. She cast three top 10 television shows at the same time. The same time. Three. And I'm sitting in a session with her once. This was one of the biggest lessons I got. I was like, damn. And the guy comes in, uh, could have been your brother back in the day, and he leaves, and she has her book out. They've made notes in a book. And she made a book. She's like, yeah, I'm not going to see him. And I said, well, how come you don't like him? Uh, he reminds me of the guys that made fun of me in high school. Yeah. We, oh At God. the time, she was 40. Yeah. So wow. she's making yeah. a reference from 22 years ago about a guy's appearance, not the job he did in the room, because he reminds her of the guys that made fun of her yeah. in high school. Yeah. You're yeah. never going to be able to remove that element from this business, so you better learn right now. Let that shit go, yeah, it's because personal. it will keep you up at night. And it, I mean, you know, the old joke, you know, it, when it's personal, I got a feeling you'll know it. You know, mm. and if you're here long enough, that'll happen. But it will happen almost never. I mean, I seriously, guys, I've worked with Dick Van Dyke, and I've worked with Andy Griffith. Uh, you know, I, I've only encountered a couple of people in my all the jobs I've done, along with doing a celebrity golf tournament with celebrities. I've only in, encountered truly a handful and a really small handful of entitled assholes. Really not very many. I, I have to say, for the most part, most of the people I've worked with, Jennifer Garner, absolute sweetheart. Heather Locklear, absolute sweetheart. I mean, for the most part, I, you know, I, I've, I've dealt with pretty good people that are quote-unquote known as, you know, celebrities. I, I haven't encountered too many too many jerks. Yeah. That's been my, I mean, our experience as well. I know I we used to work at, uh, at the Apple Store in mm. Santa Monica, and we, you know, run into a ton of celebrities there, and very few of them were dicks. There were a couple, yeah. Um, but man, overwhelmingly, I was yeah. like, "So that's why you're famous because you're you're just everybody loves you because you're so sweet. You're just such a generous, gracious person." So yeah, um, we have two questions we'd like to ask all our guests before we wrap up. Yes, sir. Uh, they're a little bit meta, but uh, we think they they are, are fascinating questions. I'm we okay with hope our listeners dig it too. So the first one is um, is a little out there. Do you feel like this career chose you? Or do you feel like you chose it? <laughs> uh, the career chose me. I, it just took me a while to know it. Um, I say that because uh, my grandfather used to call me Mr. Sunshine. And all the high eight movies, those little silly movies that we took way back in the day, long before <laughs> technology, if you watch any of them, um, I was always dancing in front of the camera. 
I was a complete class clown when I was eight, nine, spent a lot of time in the principal's office. Um, but I was a complete ham when I was seven years old. And I just, I really love sports and I really wanted to be a professional athlete. But I think I just, you know, took a, you know, time from seven to, to 21 to, you know, uh, be an athlete. But yeah, I was kind of always like that. Right on. I like that answer. Right on. Uh, the second question is, um, of all your experiences, everything that you've learned from doing your your well what started out as meetings and has now grown into the actors network and all the work that you've done in in film and television and otherwise if you could boil down uh everything that you've learned and experienced into one nugget of advice um perhaps you know the biggest lesson you've ever learned what would that one nugget be Mm. trust your instincts and don't leave any questions behind for yourself. That's it. Because there's a lot of times that I didn't trust my gut with a person or a situation. And every time I didn't, it was a mistake. And the other answer I gave you is still in play, you know, until we're no longer on this mortal coil. Um, but I think a lot of what I've seen AJ and a lot, I've, you know, because of the actors network, I have seen a lot of pain in this community. I have I've known seven people who've committed suicide in my time in Los Angeles. And, um, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that we're here. We get here physically, be it that we're born in LA or that we come here and we never really actually risk committing to failing. And if you ask anybody who's in the Hall of Fame or anybody who's done anything, you have to commit enough to be willing to fail. And because the the profession doesn't really require anything of you, that commitment to that degree has to come from within you. And if you don't do it, you'll always be wondering, what if? And that stand-up comedy story taught me that. It's like, I don't have to sit here today and wonder what doing stand-up is like. I don't have to sit here and wonder... You know, was I becoming eventually good enough to really be a good stand-up? Yeah, I never got there, but I was good enough to get hired to get, go on the road. I don't have to wonder about that now. Um, we think about, you know, we're allowed to live in our dreams. We're allowed to live in our head and uh, can't live in your head. Whatever it is you think you're meant to do or supposed to do in this business and you came here, your ass better get to doing it. You know, it's a line from, you know, one of everyone's favorite movies, Shawshank Redemption. Either get busy living get busy dying. So if your ass is here, either get busy getting at it. And that doesn't mean, you know, you run down sunset and shoot people or run down sunset and put your face on a billboard. It means what I said, work, work hard, ethics, focus, discipline, self-discipline, sacrifice. That's something we're not good at. We don't want to sacrifice going to this party or hanging out and having a coffee or blah. We don't want to do it. Well, that's the old cliche, man. Successful people do what unsuccessful people are unwilling to do. And by definition, because the paths, there's no right way to the top of Hollywood. We're always looking for someone else to tell us how to get there. Man, look in the mirror, trust your gut, and don't leave any questions behind, whatever that means to you. 
Love it. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Good stuff. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Thank bro. you so much for being Pleasure, here. Sure. Kevin, um, if people want to find out more about you, connect with you, uh, uh, and learn more about the network, the Actors Network, where can they go? Well, you can either stick the Actors Network in, in Google. It'll be the first thing. Or just actors-network.com is the website. Cool. The little, little dash symbol between the S and the N, not the underscore. Um, and pretty soon, because of technology, Jen, I'll be the first person. You haven't really heard this, but very shortly, finally, um, I'll eventually be doing you know live stream broadcasts of just me because I've been speaking at the network for twenty some years. Um, so pretty soon, you won't really have to be a studio member anymore. I'm going to do start doing little fifteen twenty minute segments that are that are live streamed if you're an online member. But that isn't here yet. So um, I'm great currently job. dealing with uh, with broadband broadband issues in AT and T. But gee. Aren't we all? Uh, <laughs> don't even get so you see, <laughs> see what I'm talking about? So, but yes, that is that is coming. Right, we want cool. sponsor. Cool. And and you specifically as as an actor and an artist, uh, where can people find out more about your work? Oh that, well, my website kevinnewest.com is my own personal website. I, I don't do much with it. I think most actors net, uh, actors websites are too convoluted. Yeah. Um, they should be fairly simple. And so you know, my I think my current or my one version demo reel is there. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm easy to find through my, I'm with CESD commercially and with Craig Wyckoff theatrically, but, um, you know, I do privates for people all the time. I mean, it's as easy as emailing the office. Um, the studio is in West Hollywood. Um, but yeah, I mean, I look, I look forward to doing the live stream broadcasting cause it does AJ go back to what you asked me. I, I, I'm, I just think a part of me in general always wanted to be helpful because everything that I talk about comes out of having made mistakes. I, I, I made all these mistakes, you know, and that's yeah. why one of our credos is learn from the mistakes of others. You don't have time to make them all yourself. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm actually a Pisces and I'm a really sensitive cat. I just don't let the reality of the business of Hollywood bother me because I know that if they want to hire an Asian girl, I'm not an Asian girl. They're going to go female Asian. That's right. They might do it. There you go. Or they might go uh, <laughs> white male. That, on occasion, they do. Yes, on occasion. Good to have There are that. a lot of jokes here that I think we probably shouldn't make. But, uh, we'll just, let, we'll just yeah, let them sit there. Yeah, just let them hang in the air. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the Pleasure, time to guys. be here. Thank you. I know you've got a commercial audition, so let's get you out of here. Thank you again. This was awesome. Thanks. You got it, guys. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back. Uh, hope you enjoyed uh, part two of Kevin's interview. Um, like, super focused, on the ball, committed mm-hmm. guy and who's, like, constantly in service to the acting community um, in a way that I feel like we are just starting to be um, over the past, you know, couple years of the podcast. And he's been doing it for how many years? Like, yeah. You know, uh, twenty five plus or something like that. Yeah, I, I, focus is a good word for him. I really admire his clarity, his clear and his ability to stay clear mm-hmm. when it comes to this industry because it's so easy to follow. You know, rabbits down their, you know, rabbit respective holes, holes. <laughs> respective holes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and he, and uh, and uh, he he gives it away a lot. Mm-hmm. Like he's giving, he's constantly giving. Uh, you know, presentations at the Actors Network, and um, I really appreciate that. So, yeah, kudos to him. If you guys have follow up questions, I mean, you know how to get a hold of him. Um, uh, the Actors Network is, you know, available. They've got their memberships. We posted their website on our website. I'm actually going to be doing a workshop there. Um, cool. 
coming up. It's actually um, so I'm doing the PhD program with MITT, and one of the things that we get to do is a thesis, um, which is essentially a two and a half hour training that we write, develop, create. Um, <clears throat> and so mine will be on uh, March 18th, which is a Monday night. I did a Monday night because it's you know, typically a free night for, for actors is if you're rehearsing a show or in a show or anything like that, a Monday, I thought a Monday night would be a good night. So it's Monday, March 18th at 7:30 PM at the actors network. Um, awesome. so as soon as I have a website or something up for it, we'll post it on our website, but I can't wait to um, check that out. Yeah. You're, you're my only confirmed guest at, at this point. <laughs> so I'm there, man, um, I am there, but it's gonna be great. It's called, uh, the title is communicating with your character, a workshop on effective listening for actors. Hmm. And essentially what I'm going to do is use the opportunity to take all the things that I've learned about the art form of listening uh, listening skills on a whole nother level from um, the leadership distinctions I've been learning, the coaching distinctions I've been learning, the trainer distinctions I've been learning. Take all of those, chisel them down to what works for acting and put it into this workshop. And um, cool. I'm really excited about it um, because my my whole goal is that people uh, not only get something that's useful for their acting career, but but things that are skills that are useful for their life in general. Mm-hmm. Amen. Very cool, yeah, man. I'm so, so looking forward to that. We got a lot of that. cool stuff coming up over the next few weeks. Not to mention all the cool stuff we got going on now, like our fitness challenge group. Yeah. Which I, is like amazing. I, I love was thinking like how ironic it was that you got you got heard right at the beginning of I know. It's the, not even it's not even, it's not even it's so it's so it's such a bummer. Let's like, just not talk about it. Okay. Let's talk about picks of the week. Um we already talked about mine, which is just the YouTube space in LA. Oh, nice. Check out youtube.com slash space just to get a feel for what this is. There's a video tour of the, of the place and, and kind of what they're up to. And then I think you can, I'm not sure, but somewhere you can see a list of the productions that are using that space to like shoot. And you can actually go check out the work. Uh, epic man. Epic, 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 really, really great stuff. There's, there are a lot of big players already in that arena that I'm, that I'm, I'm just like blown away by. So dude, what a great, what a great way to get in with those types of people. You know, it's like, Hey, just an FYI, like find somebody who's a producer or content creator or something, find their email Mm -hmm. of the 30, the list of 30, at least the ones that are producing here and not in London, shoot them an email. Hey, just an FYI, I'm an actor, super motivated, love DIY stuff. Here's the link to my podcast. Love and I your li- series. And love yeah. your series. And I, I love your content, whatever it is that they're working on. And I happen to live five minutes from the space. You ever need somebody to come and hold hold a mic or like hang lights or something, you let me know. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, if I was a producer, I'd be like, yes, I have a shoot coming up this weekend, this weekend, this weekend. Uh-huh. I'll see you there, whatever. Yeah, that would be yeah. And then I would add, I would be all over that. Then I would add in the interim, be working on your own script or your own series or whatever. So that when you do get there, you have something to talk about Yeah. and then boom, you walk away every day with five new, five new relationships relationships. and then, and then you can kind of cross pollinate, you know, you can be of service to them and then maybe recruit them to be of service to you when the time comes. Amazing. It's all about team hustle. Team hustle. What? <laughs> uh, um, what do you got? What's your pick of the week? So my pick of the week is a band that I was introduced to this week, which is called Dust Bowl Revival. Um, I don't even know if they're on iTunes. Uh, I think they are. They were introduced to me by a friend. Um, and 
they're just so much fun. When I listen to them, I feel like I'm at Disneyland. That's the best way I can describe them. Like, I'm so happy and joyous. It's essentially, you know, it's not really bluegrass. It's like ragtime meets 1930s, like Appalachian Americana. There's like horns and banjos, and, uh, and it's it, really fast paced and upbeat. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and the tempo. and it's and the lyrics are amazing because they're a combination of like what you might have heard in the 1930s and today. Like they they managed to strike this balance between these old timey lyrics and modern lyrics, mm-hmm. and I, I that's the best way. To, I feel like I'm at Disneyland when I listen to them. It makes me <laughs> so happy. So if you want to be happy, if you want to be happy, IAP listeners, check out Dust Bowl Revival. AJ's pick of the week. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> well done, man. You even did your own like audio button and everything. That was great. We're <laughs> uh, gonna get sued by so, NBC. Yeah, nice job, dude. Nice job. <clears throat> nice job. You just brought. <laughs> the wrath of NBC down upon us. So, um, quick announcements before we, we wrap up. We've got the SAG live event coming up for episode 100. Yeah. What's the date on that again? March 12th? Um, whatever episode 100 is going to be. I think March, it's March 12th. Yeah. It's a Tuesday, right? Tuesday night around 7.30? Yeah. Something, something like, like that. that. 7 o'clock? Yeah. So, so people <clears throat> who are interested in attending this event, it is very, very important that you email us to confirm. There's not currently, to my knowledge, a way to sign up on the SAG website. No, so that'll happen way- seven to ten days before the event. So beginning of March, there'll be something uh, cool. that goes up. Yeah. So the only way is to email us. Don't tweet. Don't Facebook. Email. Don't call. Email, email, email. It's important that we have it in writing, mm-hmm. and then we can pass your name along to the uh, people organizing the event. Um so uh you know more about the panelists than I do, I think. Um well we just got the email back from uh from uh the person who's helping us organize it at the SAG Foundation, which is Dennis Baker. Um and uh I'm so excited because Woody is on the panel, yes, you know, former uh, former guest. Inside acting um, alum. Inside acting alum, absolutely. Um let's see, I have the list right here cut this part out so in addition to woody we've got ned vaughn who's the executive vp of the i think sag or sag foundation ray bradford national director of equal employment opportunities and ilian kitchevin sorry if i'm butchering your name uh the los angeles executive director um and uh it's going to be a good time. So yeah. uh, those are the people that are representing SAG or SAG Foundation. Um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Like we're going to get a lot of our questions answered. So that's the topic, by the way. We haven't talked about the topic yet. It's going to be about the union, mm-hmm. about the union. I mean, post-merger, as if you didn't have enough questions to begin with. Now I'm sure you have plenty of questions. Um, so uh, you'll be able to uh, uh, not only listen to the podcast afterwards but you can either attend live or uh, watch the live stream mm-hmm. uh, online so we'll have a link available on our website it'll also be available on the sag foundation website you can sign up on the sag foundation website if you are a part of the union or uh, if you're not this is the cool part they've offered us some seats so if our listeners want to go you can email the podcast and you will be um, allowed to go if you're not part of the union, which I think is very yeah. cool of them. Uh, the only thing we request is that you actually show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No flakes, please. Uh, really important. Really, really important that, uh, if you commit that you follow through on your commitment, yeah. to be there. Yeah. Uh, but please come out. God, I would love to meet some of our listeners and 
have our first live event, just kind of meeting people in. Yeah. It's so cool, man. Yeah. I mean, we meet people at like tweet ups, LA, LA actor tweet up a lot and stuff, but it would yeah. be, just, it would just be so cool to have them at our live of our first yeah. ever live event. Yeah. It would be very cool. Totally. <laughs> so that's it for episode 96 of inside acting. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of different ways people can support and be in touch with the podcast. Long-time listeners know that you can hit our website up, you can call us, you can tweet at us, you can find us on Facebook, we're on iTunes, we're on Actorated, and of course you can send us some money, which uh, many of you do, and it, it is what keeps us going. Definitely. It is the fuel in our tank, so <laughs> thank you very much for that. Um, just start at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com, and, and go from there in lots of different ways to connect with and communicate with and uh, support Yes, the show uh, and what we do. Anything, uh, anything else to add before we... I'm good, man. Peel out of here. All right. All right. For episode 96, uh, I'm Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, Team Hustle. Hustle.